On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, more of that down the stretch, please. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, February the 23rd, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the Very Bad website, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join us over on the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we love to see you in there. It's a great little community we got building around the show, a very pleasant place to talk about the Toronto Raptors on the internet, and that is a hard thing to come by in the year of our Lord 2024. Of course, you can find the show on your audio app of choice. Podcast-wise, you can follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc., etc. Always appreciated when you help us nudge up those charts. And you can, of course, follow us on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and you'll get a heads up every single time the show goes live. And you get to watch me fail at hitting the end of show over the shoulder back uh, backward shot into the stupid basketball that i have behind me it's the real feature the people who watch the videos are just uh agonizing along with me as i refuse to hit this shot it's just unbelievable i hate it anyway today's show is brought to you by our friends over at linkedin jobs who help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post a job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right today we are digging into a toronto raptors blowout win over the brooklyn nets 121 93 as the defense showed some signs of life and the raptors set the tone i think for what i would like to see them do over the last third of the season here and i think there were a lot of pretty promising things coming out from the talk around the game, you know, stuff the broadcast was digging into, Darko Rayakovich's comments on sort of the big picture of the last 27 games having meaning, having importance. And, you know, if you're like me and you want to see the Raptors play this thing out and actually try to lay some foundation for what they do next season, I think this game was a really encouraging start. We will dig into the performances of the backcourt as Emmanuel Quickly and Gary Trent Jr. popped off for 49 points between them. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm. But let's dive into the tone-setting nature of this win off the top. It, you know, obviously, the caveat here is the Brooklyn Nets suck. They're really bad. They just fired their coach. This is a directionless basketball team on and off the court, it seems. Uh, it's just not a team that is to be worried about or feared. The Toronto Raptors are going to pass the Brooklyn Nets, I would guess, during this last stretch of the season. As much as the Raptors have not been very good for a very long time now, uh, you know, since the Pascal Siakam trade, you know, until last night, the worst net rating in the NBA, I, I still think they are a, on talent and sort of, you know, fit and all that stuff, a way better team in this current Nets iteration. And we saw it bear out last night 
obviously they have to parlay this into more results against better teams that are not the Brooklyn Nets, but you can only play who's in front of you. And I thought the Raptors really did a good job in this one of just kind of doing what you'd like to see from them over the last 27 games. If you're in the, the interest of seeing them kind of, again, lay foundation, set things up for what they're going to look like next season. And, and you know, I think it all begins with Scotty Barnes. And frankly, the first possession or two of this game is where Scotty Barnes kind of put his imprint on this one. Not his most off the, you know, pop off the chart uh, or pop off the screen box score numbers or anything like that. 18 points, 12 boards, three assists, three steals, a block, seven to 13 from the field. You know, a totally fine game from Scotty Barnes. But I thought the way he came out of the gates just raring to go in this one was really encouraging obviously coming off the all-star weekend where he had himself a good time and all of that uh you know you would hope that it would be sort of a, a kick in the pants if you will a bit of a sort of inspirational thing to go into the back stretch of the season looking to prove something and it was it was great scotty barnes the first possession gets a block on the first nets attempt at the rim and then goes the other way and scores with just like a ferocious speed and grace flying the other way to score uh yeah really awesome stuff out of the gate from scotty in this one and i thought throughout he carried just like a lot of intensity on the defensive end this was the best raptors defensive game arguably of the season obviously you got to adjust for uh you know the the opponent a little bit here but this was one of the worst offensive games that any team has had all season in the form of what the nets did on offense in this game it was a miserable offensive night for them just a 71.6 offensive rating in the half court for them. A second percentile half court performance for any team in the cleaning the glass database this entire season. One of the bottom 2% offensive games you'll see, you've seen all year. And all on the whole, they were a second percentile offensive rating when you factor in transition as well and putbacks and all the different facets of offense. They stunk in this game. And the Raptors, I think, did a really good job of just making them super uncomfortable. They're not a great offense. They're still a better offense than the Raptors. One spot ahead of them in the charts, actually, at 19th per clean the glass. Uh, and so, you know, they have stuff, you know, Cam Thomas can go off. Mikal Bridges has his moments. They are not a totally inept offensive team. But the Raptors sure made them look like that in this one. You had the combination of Scotty's intensity flying around, rotating, um, the connectivity the team seemed to have in this one. It really was kind of on a string as much as we've seen it on a string on defense all season long. I thought Jakob Pertl's work at the rim, setting the edge on the pick and roll, kind of getting back, navigating the space between the ball handler and the big man, not allowing easy lobs behind him, not allowing the guard in front of him to go put up easy shots. Uh, I thought that was really brilliant stuff from him. He had the three blocks in this one as well. And I thought his help defense was really nice. When there were breakdowns, when, you know, Scotty Barnes got cut out of position or someone blew by a quickly or a Barrett, you know, Pirtle was always there, just kind of waiting, lurking in the paint to ward off prospective scorers at the rim. Really nice game from him overall. And the defense, again, just kind of looked like it had more of a plan, more intentionality, and mostly just more sort of possession-to-possession -possession intensity and connectivity was really great to see and you hope you can see that more going down the stretch because defense of course has been this thing that has just been the Achilles heel for this team all year long the opposite of their Achilles heel the thing that they do best was also a thing they did with a plum in this game which is they ran like hell and they ran just brutally efficiently as well the Raptors in this game a 100th percentile game when it comes to transition frequency and points added per 100 possessions in transition. 
the very best 100th percentile among all games for any team in transition this season. 182.6 offensive rating plus 18.3 points added over the course of 100 possessions, you know, adjusted obviously for the length of the game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, really just absolutely dominant in transition. They ran 26.4% of the time, their highest mark of the season. That is just a, a, a brutally effective transition performance from a team that when they're running is really tough to slow down because of all of the weapons they have. RJ Barrett has been an absolute tank in transition. Wasn't so much last night, but that's been a thing he's been fantastic at. And, you know, a couple playmaking flourishes from him in transition. We'll get into the playmaking from him later on when we get to the good, the bad, and the hmm. But just overall, they ran the way you want to see the Toronto Raptors run. Scotty Barnes, one of the best transition players in the league, felt like half of his buckets or more in this game were just him getting the ball and flying to the other end and scoring through traffic. Really great stuff there. Emmanuel quickly, the pull-up threes in transition, uh, getting into the teeth of the defense in semi-transition, all of that. This team has a lot of ways to beat you on the run. You, when you factor in the sort of spacing you get from Gary Trent Jr. and Grady Dick, you know, cashing in triples in that way. Just, you know, this was what you want to see. Look, the Nets certainly gave up a lot and were uh, allowing those transition opportunities pretty, you know, egregiously, frankly. They're a miserable team right now, but the Raptors took advantage, and that's what you got to see from this team. And again, they kind of set the tone for, like, laying down the tracks of, okay, this is the stuff we do well, this is the stuff we have to improve upon. And I think if you were sort of hoping for things to see out of the Raptors from the back part of this season you know, over the course of the all-star break, ruminating on what you wanted to see. We talked about it this week with Vivek Jacob. I think a lot of the boxes were checked in this one. And, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's going to sound insane, but you play the Hawks tonight, you beat the Hawks, you're three and a half out of the plane with 25 games to play. It's still probably not going to happen. You know, there are still, uh, you know, three and a half games to make up and not a lot of time. And the Hawks are going to be incentivized to try to win games, but the Hawks are also bad. And, if you beat the Hawks tonight, the tiebreaker becomes even. They're basically tied in like the fourth tiebreaker, which is the one they'll have to use if they are tied in the standings, which is conference record. In fact, the Raptors, I think, will be a half game ahead of the Hawks in conference record if they beat them tonight. And so, you know, if you can do that, this is kind of the last chance saloon. We've talked about this this week. Like this is the last chance to have any sort of push for a play-in spot here for this team. And considering all we've talked about with their draft position and everything that, that hangs over them there, I think it's totally worth pushing to try to make something happen. Having that carrot of maybe we can get into the play in here. I don't think there's any way in which having that carrot, having a reason to compete every single night and have something to sort of, you know, as a team, try to fight for and, and work towards, which is a play-in spot here, or at least being in, comp in conversation for one. I, I think that's a perfectly fine thing to have be your motivator down the stretch of an otherwise miserable season. And I don't see how it's a bad thing for a young team trying to get its sea legs to have that competitive um, sort of spirit fueling them going through the back part of the season. I'm sounding corny as hell, but like it's an entertainment product product. It's a competitive product and having the team be competitive and entertaining sounds pretty good to me, man. It also puts them in the spot where, look, I said they're probably going to pass the Nets. The Nets are awful. They're trending so down right now, and it, it's not going to be long, I think. I think the Raptors are a game and a half back after last night now. Um, it's not going to be long until they pass Brooklyn in the standings, and that's going to muddle 
the draft pick picture a little bit more. But frankly, I think a push here for the Raptors to get up to the eighth, ninth spot in the lottery odds kind of puts them in a perfect spot where they can either convey the pick and it's the seventh, eighth or ninth pick and you're fine with that, whatever. It sucks optically, but you get it off the books and it's not like a high-end primo pick in a draft that is not considered to be super deep in terms of high-end talent or anything like that. It's a lot more in terms of like role player guys who might be available. And the Raptors have two picks in that range anyway. Um, and you know, you still get in the spot where if you're seven, eighth, ninth, you still have a shot, like a pretty decent one because of the flat and lottery odds of moving up into the real spot of the draft where you want to be, which is one, two, three, four, which right now they can't tank into on their own anyway, because the teams in that range are so, so bad. So it's kind of a situation of would you rather have a good shot at the fifth or sixth pick, or would you rather have a better shot at pushing the pick off, getting it off the books, sending it to the Spurs at seven, eight, or nine with the outside chance of getting a top four, top four pick? I would rather those two potential outcomes than being fifth or sixth or the worst outcome, which is being sixth in the lotto odds and getting bumped out on lottery night because someone jumped you from below like no thanks i don't need that kind of anguish in my life so i I think you know this again it was the nets there's a lot of uh you know work to be done against better teams before anyone buys that the raptors are you know a competitive enterprise at this point but i think again they laid a lot of track down for what can be a pretty fruitful last third of the season in this win and i think that benefits frankly everybody watching the team will be more fun the players on the team will have something to work towards and not just kind of playing out the string you don't want playing out the string playing out the string looks like what the brooklyn nets look like right now you don't want to look like the brooklyn nets uh you do want to look like emmanuel quickly and gary Trent jr did last night we're going to talk about them coming up in just one second dig into uh their excellent performances quickly in particular uh really kind of getting aggressive and downhill all of the stuff you want to see from the raptors lead guard we'll get to that coming up in just one sec Today's show is brought to you by Stitch Fix, a new sponsor here on the podcast. And if you're like me, you hate shopping for clothes for yourself. I don't like going to the mall. I don't like going and trying on clothes. It's not fun. It's annoying. I have like weird bodily dimensions. It's hard to find clothes that actually fit me properly. It's uh, a pain. And that's okay because Stitch Fix is now here because you can get that confidence boost you get from an outfit that makes you look really good with Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season. All you got to do is give your stylist your size, style, and budget preferences, and you order boxes when and how you want them. No subscription required, and they send five just-for-me pieces plus outfit recommendations and pro styling advice. I keep what works. Send back the rest. Stitch Fix makes it all so easy. If you don't like the shop and you like to save that time and effort, go check them out. Plus, you get outfits that make you look and feel really good. It's nice to have nice outfits. Style that makes you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That's stitchfix.com slash locked on. Stitchfix.com slash locked on. All right, continuing on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for hanging out as we uh, you know, go through the Raptors win over the Brooklyn Nets last night, 121-93. And the two guys who carried the day offensively in this one, Gary Trent Jr. and Emmanuel Quickly. Trent with 25, 9 of 12 shooting, 5 of 7 from deep. We'll get to Gary Trent Jr. in a sec. He's uh, you know, making things interesting when it comes to lineup decisions and big picture decisions and all of that. We'll get into that. Uh, but Emmanuel quickly to me, 
was the guy who was the engine for the Raptors in this game. As much as Scotty Barnes kind of set the tone early with his energy and transition scoring and all that, I thought quickly throughout the night what was just really impressive in the way he was looking to attack at all times. And look, you know, he still goes only three of eight from two-point range. You want to see that continue to be refined and improve, all that. That's fair, but he goes five of eight from downtown. And again, just kind of getting into the teeth of the defense quickly. You know, semi-transition, defense barely set, jets on, go. Getting to the rim, he had a, a, a pivotal and one in this game when it was 61-60 for the Raptors. The Nets were kind of making a push at the start of the uh, third quarter. Quickly, immediately after it gets to 61-60, goes down, gets the end one, just putting the Jets on again and getting downhill and into the rim. And that was kind of followed, you know, that plus a follow-up three from him on a catch-and-shoot off of Scotty Barnes' offensive rebound is kind of what put the Nets at arm's length for the rest of the game. And, you know, throughout the night, I just think, we saw that an aggressive Emmanuel quickly can be an absolute game changer for this team. And I think as well, talking about things we wanted to see from the Raptors down the stretch, you know, it wasn't a huge staple of what they did in this game, but I did think we saw more of Emmanuel quickly and Scotty Barnes working in tandem and actions together. You know, there were a few examples of quickly using a Barnes screen to get a pull up three as, as you know, Barnes slipped early and took the defender with him. Um, there was one example where you had the sort of three man game between Barnes, Pirtle and quickly where you had, uh, you know, Barnes set a screen for quickly coming around from the right side around the arc and into a handoff with Yaka Pirtle led to a quick pull up three, like using the, Differing, differing, varying, distinct skill sets of those three guys together in actions. That's pretty fun, too. I'm all for that as sort of a staple of what this offense can do. We know Jakob Pertl is a big part of a lot of their playbook. You don't have to excise him from it. There are creative ways to involve him while also getting Scotty and quickly working together a little bit more often. Um, you know, I mentioned quickly had the catch and shoot three off the Scotty Barnes offensive rebound. That's obviously like just kind of a chaos broken play type thing, not a drawn up set. But, uh, you know, I, I think you can see the sort of kernels in this game of, okay, like if they just kind of layer a little bit more of this in that Scotty quickly two man game can be really impressive. There was another handoff example where, uh, you know, quickly got downhill to the rim and I might've missed at this on this one, but he got deep position in the paint off of a Scotty Barnes handoff. Um, yeah, I I'm very in on more quickly Scotty stuff. And I do think this was a pretty nice solid start on that front and you know you know like we've talked about right it's an adjustment period for emmanuel quickly there's a lot going on there's a lot of new being thrown at him after his role was very kind of distinct and narrowed down with the knicks where he was this gunner off the bench for the most part you know had more responsibility when he started in place of an injured guy or whatever but for the most part he had sort of one job which was to get buckets and now he's got to get buckets while creating buckets for others and I think he's doing a pretty damn good job, all things considered. Again, the two-point shooting, you got to figure out. He's still under 40% from two uh, as a Raptor, but I think that'll stabilize as well. And it's all part of the growing experience, right? He's still getting into the teeth of the defense, which is a very big thing. Even if you're not necessarily finishing, it still creates panic for a defense and creates all kinds of opportunities coming off of those paint touches. Um, you know, his backcourt partner in this game, Gary Trent Jr., also pretty awesome. You know, 25 points continues a really nice stretch of play from him since the uh, Siakam trade. He's averaging 13, two and one on 48% from deep. And the numbers continue 
to really like any lineup where Gary Trent Jr. is alongside the Raptors' best player, which is essentially one lineup. Uh, you know, quickly, Trent, Barrett, Barnes, Pirtle, 241 possessions together now for clean the glass, plus 13.6 net rating. They're blowing teams off the floor. And, you know, I totally understand. We'll get to Grady Dick coming up a little bit later on, too. I totally understand the sort of, you know, the starting to pound the table for, hey, get Grady Dick in there, have him start. And we'll get into it. There were some nice signs of Grady Dick playing with the starters as well in this one. But, you know, it's okay to have two guys who work really nicely with your starters, right? Like, oh, no, my arms are overflowing with good shooters who fit very nicely with the core four players on this team. Whatever will we do? It's, you know, we'll see with Gary, right? Like, I don't think we've learned much about Gary as a player. I don't think there's been much new about Gary as a player over this stretch. But he's undeniably playing well. And when he's making shots, he breathes such space and life into the half-court offense. He has that sort of Serge Ibaka-like play finishing from way back in the day when he was on the Raptors. Um, you know, way back in the day, four or five years ago. God, the time is uh, unstoppable, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know you need that element, right? You need a trigger man. You need someone who can belly out late in the clock. Gary Trent Jr. did that a couple times last night. Um, overall, again, I, I don't know if like the recent stretch of play from him changes my feeling on Gary Trent Jr. all that much. I still think he's kind of one dimensional, but that one dimension can be really valuable for this team. So maybe it's worth keeping him around. Maybe it's worth having both him and Grady Dick on the team. Uh, you know, two things can be true. Both guys can be valuable to the team, even if only one of them can start. You know, it's never a bad thing to have more shooting on hand. And Gary Trent Jr. undeniably can shoot the hell out of the ball. 48% again since the Siakam trade. That's nothing to sneeze at on six attempts a game as well. He's just getting them up. Um, and so, yeah, really nice stuff from the backcourt in this one. Obviously a weird game where it was kind of a blow up by the end. You didn't have to ride the starters too much. Um, I, I would imagine we would have seen Scotty Barnes kind of take up the mantle. Were this a close game down the stretch? Um, you know, not a great RJ Barrett game scoring wise. We'll get to his playmaking though, because that was quite nice in this one. But overall, I, I think you got to be very happy with what you saw from Quickly and Barrett in this one in particular, as the backcourt looked fantastic and, you know, continues to be a really, the whole lineup there, the starters continue to be fantastic. And we'll see how much it holds up against better teams coming up on the schedule. But they've played a lot of decent teams since the Siakam trade, and the starters have held up very much so in that time. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll round it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm to leave you off here on your Friday, send you off into the weekend and the Raptors-Hawks game tonight. We'll do that coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's just see who Josh has picked out on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Lots of names. Keontae George, Trey Mann, Scoot Henderson, some guards all doing some good stuff with their teams as they, you know, tread new ground and, you know, get new responsibilities, broaden their horizons. But the guy I'm going to pick here is the Toronto Raptors' own Kelly Olynyk, who was hurt in the last game before the break, but is fine now and should be able to put up relevant bench lines, uh, relevant scoring lines in a bench role for a Raptors team that badly needs his spacing and supplementary playmaking. Josh Lloyd knows what's up. He loves Toronto. He loves Raptors fans. We know this about Josh Lloyd. Uh, and he's got Kelly Olynyk on tap here as one of the eBay uh, guaranteed fit picks of the week. 
So go pick up Kelly Olenek if he's available in your league. If Unless you're in the Locked On Raptors listener league, in which case I want him. Don't touch him. I need him now. Um, Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy basketball championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, rounding out the show here with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we close off every recap episode of this here podcast after a Toronto Raptors basketball game. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little bit intrigued from the most recent game the Raptors played. Uh, the good for me in this one, RJ Barrett slinging them dimes, man. It's uh, been quite the transformation for RJ Barrett as a passer as a Toronto Raptor, Titus Greer best with seven assists last night, had five like in the first 18 minutes of action or something like that. Um, and, and you know, he's making the live dribble passes, he's doing those lay downs to Yaka Pirtle in the middle of the paint. Um, you know, a kind of diverse array of passes. He had that beautiful one on the run into the corner for Emmanuel quickly in the first half in this game for a catch and shoot three. Kind of got his head on a swivel, looking at all options. He's not just a battering ram in transition, getting downhill to score himself. He's setting other dudes up. And, and, you know, I think back to his first game as a Raptor where there were two or three kind of egregious missed passes. And you're seeing, you know, like I think we look at player development and just assume player developments about like getting G League guys and turning them into players. Shout out DJ Carton, by the way, his first points. That's cool. Good for him. Um, But, you know, development also is the guys you have on your team and expanding and broadening their own horizons. And it seems as though there's been a pretty clear focus from the Raptors front office on RJ Barrett and his playmaking. Darko Ryakovich talking after the game about how they've been watching Manu Ginobili tape to try to refine that playmaking for RJ Barrett. Sounds like Manu is just RJ's favorite player, which is a cool favorite player to have. Shout out RJ for great taste. Um, And, you know, if you can watch Manu tape and take what he did and apply it to your own game, you're going to be in pretty good shape because Manu was pretty damn awesome as a playmaker. And so am I ever expecting RJ Barrett to be Manu Ginobili? No, but if you can kind of level up that playmaking just a little bit, he becomes that much more electric in an offense that inspires a lot of guys to be playmakers and make the next pass. It's good stuff. Shout out RJ Barrett for the playmaking and the seven assists last night. My bad is one possession. And it was a possession in the first half where I think it might have been RJ who drove. It might have been Scotty Barnes who initiated the, the advantage here. Drove in from the left baseline. Nice kick to the corner for Grady Dick. Swing up to Bruce Brown. And then Bruce Brown just kind of like broke. It seemed like it was the beginning of a beautiful swing. A possession that could have ended in an easy shot for somebody. Even Bruce Brown could have just put up the shot there. He was wide open. But he just kind of broke and stopped, like stopped in, in in place, took a second, brought his hands down, and then was like, I guess I'll shoot this now. It was bizarre. It was like, uh, you know, the anti 0.5 offense. But it, it's weird. Like Bruce Brown's looked very out of sorts in a lot of these games. There have been a handful where he's looked really good. And it, it's strange, too, because he played on a team last year with the Nuggets that 
kind of embodies a lot of this 0.5 decision-making stuff, right? Jokic creates an advantage, and then everything flows out of that, and Bruce Brown fit beautifully in there as a connective piece. He's not quite offered that glue, that connectivity for the Raptors just yet. I do think as the Raptors hopefully kind of get into their groove down the stretch of this season, play more games like they played last night where everything looks very cohesive, that can kind of amplify Bruce Brown, who feels like in a system where everything's working well, he can kind of then have his own game amplified and then in turn amplify those around him. We'll see. It's been a little bit grim for Bruce Brown in a lot of these games so far. That possession just stuck out as like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it, 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 was, it was pretty startling, but hopefully not something that Bruce Brown will continue to replicate going forward. Um, and to close out my hmm from this game, we got our first look at the Grady Dick plus the core four lineup of the entire season since all the trades. Uh, and boy, oh boy, did they whip in their first four minutes of action together. Grady Dick comes in at like 9-16 of the third quarter. Gary Trent Jr. takes a seat. Uh, this is when the Nets are making that little push. Quickly then follows it up with the and one. And then again, they kind of run away from there. But that that stretch, that four-minute stretch, they outscore the Nets 14-2. to Grady gets in there for that put back off a quickly missing transition at one point to force a timeout. I think at like 69, 60 or something like that. And yeah, just like really, really sharp looking lineup in that time. Grady very much looking the part on defense. That defense during that stretch was uh, really nasty, forcing deflections, block shots, getting it on the run off of those forced misses and blocks and turnovers. Uh, really really good stuff from the Raptors in that lineup configuration. And look, like I said, it's nice to have multiple different looks and different guys who can just slot in with the core four and look really good. I reckon we'll see Kelly Olenek be a nice piece if ever they try to go bigger as a fifth guy in that lineup as well. And to have a core four guys who can kind of work and be malleable with different players slotting in, similar type players in Trent and Dick, obviously, but um, that's an encouraging thing. That's like that's promising stuff for your core players going forward as well. And so, you know, it's one of them good problems to have too many good players to potentially slot in with your four foundational pieces. And Grady Dick, really nice to see him get those first minutes. The uh, yeah, fourteen to two in four minutes of action. More of that, please. It was a, it was a really good fun look to see. And Grady Dick playing with better players, I think, is going to be a good thing no matter what. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Monday to break down the game against the Hawks. Look ahead to the Pacers game on Monday night as well. And a week that sees the Raptors schedule get a little bit tougher with some, not, not like high-end contender opponents, but just like teams that are in the mix, team that are teams that are good, teams with stuff to play for. I think a pretty fun little slate of games coming up here for the Raptors. And if they can start picking up some wins, baby, that playing race is on like Donkey Kong. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, join the Discord. It's free to do as always. And we will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>